0: Welcome to MTZ Overflow Podcast. In this sermon episode, Reverend Dr. Marcus Allen is preaching from the title, An Involuntary Testimony, in the sermon series, We Win. We're glad you're here. Let us pray. God, do it again. In Jesus' name. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endure forever. And because of that, we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. We're continuing back to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27. We'll start reading at verse number 57. Matthew 27, verse 57, and if you are able to stand, please stand in reference to reverence of the reading of God's holy word. Matthew 27, 57. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for being in worship. And if you're watching us in the virtual space, if you're on Facebook, go ahead and be a virtual evangelist. Amen. And hit that share button. Amen. And share with somebody and let them know that we are in worship on this Palm Sunday. Amen. Amen. Matthew twenty-seven, fifty-seven. We're continuing with this sermon series. We win, and we we've seen um, all of these events at the cross. We notice how they called Jesus the King of the Cross and mocked him. Uh, we see how the thieves were on the cross. Uh, we see how Jesus died on the cross. But today we want to look at the burial of Jesus. Matthew 27 and 57. And it reads, Now when evening had come, there were there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth and laid it in the new tomb which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed and Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate saying, sir, we remember while he was still alive, how that deceiver said after three days, I will rise. Therefore command the tomb to be secure until the third day. Lest his disciples come by night and steal." him away and say to the people he has risen from the dead so the last deception will be worse than the first Pilate said to them you have a guard go your way make it as secure as you know how so they went and made the tomb secure sealing the stone and setting the guard read verse 64 one more time therefore command that the tomb be made secure Until the third day. And that's the topic of the sermon, the third day. You may be seated. The third day. In the Bible, numbers have many purposes, such as conveying something significant in the narrative, prophetically, spiritually, or even symbolically. The number three is mentioned four hundred and sixty seven times in the Bible. Biblically the number means something is complete and good. In Hebrew the number three means harmony completeness and new life. We can see all three of these meanings in the biblical text. Harmony. We see Jesus doing certain things three times. He warns Peter that he would deny him three times before the rooster crows. But then he restores Peter by telling him three times, if you love me, feed my sheep. It's in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prays three times before he declares, not my will, but thy will be done. We see harmony, but we also see completeness. The Holy Trinity of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit displays what is perfect and what is whole. The Trinity represents God's self-sufficiency, which means he don't need nobody else to be God. That he'll always be God no matter what happens, how we feel, our faith in him, God will remain God. God is defined in the very beginning of the book of Revelation and, and the threefold characteristic, which is, which was, and which to come. But he's also the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. We see the number three meaning harmony, completeness, but we also see it meaning new life. There were three crosses on Calvary's hill during Jesus' crucifixion. There was three hours of darkness until Jesus died on the cross after he suffered from the sixth to the ninth hour. In Jewish culture, three days past time of death indicated that the person was truly dead. Jesus told his disciples that he would be delivered to into the hands of men and they would kill him and he would be raised on the third day. Jesus declared, in John chapter 2, that if the temple was destroyed, he would raise it again in three days. The third day brings new life. In John eleven thirty nine, 39, Martha warned Jesus that if he removed the stone from Lazarus' tomb, there would be a strong stench. And after three whole days he had passed since the death of Lazarus, Jesus declares to the people at the tomb, move the stone." and shouted, Lazarus, come forward. And new life was able to begin on the third day. Jonah, three days in the well or in the belly of a great fish, and to be in the belly of a fish for this length of time was sure a sure sign of God's will because Jonah was kept alive when he should have been dead. I wish I had a witness here. He, he, he's alive, but after the third day, help us today, God, the fish uh, spit him out on dry ground. Oh, yes, I can testify myself about the third day. When I was 17 years old, a young boy picked my picture out of a yearbook stating that I attempted to rob him while riding the city bus. I I was arrested, fingerprinted, and booked into the Milwaukee County Jail due to my skin color and my zip code. No investigation was conducted before declaring me a criminal. However, on the third day... I wish I had a witness. On on, on the third day, without appearing before a judge, they released me, and today I declare that I represent new life on the third day. (laughs) Jesus, Jesus has... Endured the shame of the cross. Judas has betrayed him. Peter has denied him. The Romans beat him and hung him on the cross. The disciples have deserted him. The people mocked him. The religious leaders challenged him to come down from the cross. The thief degraded him. Jesus hangs on the cross from the sixth to the ninth hour, gives up his spirit, died on the cross just as he he prophesied to his disciples and told them he would return on the third day. But somehow, even in this text, we see different perspectives about the third day. We see different perspectives about the third day. The first perspective we see is the disciples had a defeated perspective about the third day. The disciples had a defeated perspective of the third day. The ninth hour has passed. It's late, about 3 p.m. in the afternoon, and Jesus has died, but his body is still on the cross. Evening has come, maybe a few hours have passed, and no one has claimed the body of Jesus. Help us today, God. What, what, what a sad situation. Jesus has had 12 men walk with him for three years, but none of them claim his body. They, they go into hiding, and they leave Jesus on the cross. These men had a front row view of the functions of Jesus. They observed that he was not an ordinary man. They saw how he knew wind and wave language that he said peace be still and the winds knew to cease and the, pe- and the sea knew to come down they, he, he, they, they, they saw Jesus look at water and change it from water to wine Peter is also the one who proclaimed Old Testament prophecy and revealed that Jesus you are the Christ the son of the living God but due to none of them showing up after death proved that they had a defeated perspective about the third day Because their actions on the first day displayed how they felt about the third day. I'm going to preach myself happy here. The third day should have been a day of hope and celebration, but the disciples saw it as a day of despair and defeat. None of them lean on the words of Jesus concerning the third day. And I want to inform somebody here today that the promises God give us for tomorrow should have the ability to give us hope today. Let me say that one more time. The promises of tomorrow should have the ability to give us hope for today. Your future, your faith in your future hope should inspire you to celebrate your current condition, even if you're not in your desired situation, because you have confidence not only in the promise, but the promise keeper. So, so, so when the promise is if you seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you, you do not feel defeated because on day one nothing is added, but you have hope and the promise that at some point in your seeking, God is going to do the adding. I want to encourage you that, that, that who the promise comes from makes a difference of how you see your future. Disciples should have been waiting outside the tomb like a family stage in the waiting room to see their loved one walk out of the hospital. But they are in hiding. Jesus dies. And it is is as if no one thinks it's necessary to be with him in death. Not no one. The disciples does not see it necessary. To be with him in death. A few months ago, I was called to help a family at the hospital. A patient had been declared brain dead for five days. And, le- and legally determined as dead. Therefore, the hospital was not obligated to provide any type of medical aid. The hospital had done everything they could and wanted to take the patient off life support, but the family could not accept that the patient was dead. The hospital was communicating with the family, begging them to be there when they took the patient off life support. However, I waited there for hours and the family never came with the staff and the nurses and watch how tears flowed from their eyes and the pain that they expressed for this person they only had connected with over the last two weeks while this patient was in the hospital. And I went to my car and I cried tears because when the life support came off the loved ones were not in the room. And as I was writing this sermon, the pain I felt that day for the patient is similar to the pain in which I feel for Jesus after living with his disciple all of these years, showing them how to be uh, Christian men, showing them how to be leaders, no one shows up at his death. Not no one, but not his disciples show up for him. So the disciples had a defeated perspective of the third day. Because if they understood the third day, they would have been standing and waiting on the first day. If they understood the third day, they would have been at the tomb every day until the third day arrived. I wish I had a witness here. That that just teaches us that when we have the promises of God, we can't sit on them. But we must do what God has called us to do and trust what he said will come to pass. Disciples had a defeated perspective, but here in the text, this man named Joseph, Joseph was devoted to Jesus because of his perspective of the third day. Joseph was devoted to Jesus because of his perspective of the third day. The disciples are nowhere to be found, and the custom of the Romans was to leave the bodies on the cross and allow the birds and wild animals to devour them. However, Joseph went to Pilate and declared, um, give me Jesus. Let me say that one more time. Joseph goes to Pilate and he declares, give me Jesus. Because he had the proper perspective about the third day. Matthew introduces us to this rich man named Joseph who had become a disciple of Jesus. He goes to Pilate and requests the body of Jesus. Joseph was a part of the Sanhedrin council who had just found Jesus for being found Jesus guilty of a crime. He was a rich man so he could have commanded his servants to go get Jesus, but he goes himself and demands, "Give me Jesus." This proves to us mama can't get Jesus for you. <laughs> I don't care how long your mother in church, uh, you, you have to find Jesus on your own. I don't care how long grandmother prayed for you, but if you don't accept Jesus on your own, you will not have him in your life. They, Joseph said, give me Jesus. And Joseph could have done whatever he wanted, but he wanted Jesus. Joseph proves to us that if you don't have Jesus, money doesn't mean a thing. You can live in the biggest house drive the best car, wear the most expensive clothing but if you don't have Jesus your life means nothing. When you know it was Jesus who changed your life you will want Jesus more than anything. When you realize it was Jesus who picked you up out of the muck and the morrow picked you up out of the pit placed your feet on the solid ground you'll say give me Jesus. When you know it was Jesus that healed your body, kept you When you lost loved ones kept you from losing your mind, woke you up this morning, started you on your way, gave you life, health, and strength, you will testify, I don't need anything else, just give me Jesus, because if I have Jesus, I have everything I need. Joseph says, give me Jesus on Friday, because he had hope in the third day. Joseph shows a level of loyalty that is not displayed amongst Jesus' very own disciples. And you would have thought that someone from Jesus' family or from his close followers would have been making funeral arrangements. For Jews took funerals very seriously. And the importance of having a decent burial. But it was this man, Joseph. The only one who took initiative to give Jesus the proper burial. Joseph went to Pilate to get permission to bury Jesus and then he placed Jesus in his brand new, never used tomb. This was an act of generosity, for a rock tomb was expensive. And since Jesus had been condemned as a criminal, Jews would not allow other bodies to be buried in the same tomb. Therefore, Joseph would have been required to get another tomb made for himself. But Joseph understood that Jesus only needed the tomb for a little while. He, he understood that he was only borrowing the tomb. Help us today, God, and, and, and because of the promise of the third day. And so he can sacrifice on day one with the promise of day three. And can I get a help, some help in here? That the third day makes a difference how you look at day one. Joseph may have thought to himself, Jesus, you can have it because I know you don't need it for a long time. And I can use it after you're gone. Joseph pray that what we have it already belongs to Jesus and if we're willing to give it to him, he'll bless it even more. Look at us today. 2,000 years later we're talking about Joseph, a man from Arathemaia. We're talking about him because of his generosity 2,000 years ago because he was willing to do something for Jesus that Jesus now allows his name to be written in all eternity. Oh, when Jesus Jesus here, we see that we will get acknowledgement for our generosity. And when the disciples left Jesus, Joseph declared, give me Jesus. And when the crowd ceased from mocking and humiliating Jesus, uh, Joseph declared, give me Jesus. And I believe Joseph understood uh, if I can get Jesus, uh, I can get all that I need. Uh, If I can get Jesus, I can have my peace. If I can get Jesus, I can have my joy. If I can get Jesus, I can have my happiness. If I can get Jesus, I can get my deliverance. I'd rather have Jesus than anything else in this world. Is there anybody else's testimony? Just give me Jesus. Give me Jesus to be right with me. Give me Jesus to heal my body. Give me Jesus to lift me when I'm down. Comfort me when I'm in despair. Be by my side when I'm longing. Let's give me Jesus. The third day. Disciples had a defeated perspective. Joseph was devoted because of his faithful perspective. But then the religious leaders tried to deny the third day. They tried to deny the third day. Joseph goes to Pilate to retrieve the body of Jesus in order to have a proper burial for him. However, the religious leaders go to Pilate asking to guard the body of Jesus. They inform Pilate that Jesus had been telling people that after three days he will rise from the dead. So allow us to secure the tomb until the third day. Because if his disciples come and steal the body, the last deception will be worse than the first. In the gospel, on numerous occasions, Jesus had prophesied that he would rise from the dead. His disciples seem consistently to have misunderstood these prophecies. And there is no evidence that they had them in mind even at this time. But his enemies, they did remember them. Let me say that one more time. His disciples forgot about him. But his enemies remembered him. His disciples seem unfaithful to what he said. And these religious leaders, his enemy seems fearful about what he said. I wish I had a witness. Here, here it is. They, 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 they had a better memory than those who walked with Jesus and trusted the words more than his own disciples. These Jewish leaders did not anticipate a resurrection. They speak of Jesus as that deceiver when they are referring to the promise of a resurrection. They wanted help until the third day. Just let us guard them until the third day. For that, that was the time that Jesus prophesied. And if the disciples stole the body after that time... They could point out that Jesus' words were not fulfilled. But if the body was stolen within that time, the disciples could claim that he was raised from the dead. It is, of course, true that the disciples would have had a difficult time claiming a resurrection when they had a dead body. And I want to warn Christians today, Don't live like you serve a dead Christ. Don't live like you serve a dead Christ. At the beginning of the movie, Boys in the Hood, young boys get together and they ask a question, do you want to see a dead body? (laughs) Y'all remember that movie? Do you want to see a dead body? They go see this dead body and all they can do is look at it. Because dead people don't talk. Dead people can't fix anything. Dead people can't save. Dead people can't deliver. Dead people can't comfort you. Dead people can't hold you. Dead people can't be with you. Dead people can't rock you late in the midnight hour. So as Christians, we shouldn't live as if we serve a dead Christ. But we serve a living God. That when I'm weak, yes sir. He makes me strong. When when I'm down, He lifts me. When when I'm lonely, He comforts me. When I can't find my way, He guides me. I'm glad today that I serve a, a, a risen Savior. I serve a God that I can testify. He walks with me. And He talks with me. And He tells me. That I am his own. The disciples disregarded the third day. Joseph had faith in the third day, but the religious leaders, they feared the third day. They understood that if there was nobody in the tomb, uh, that there would be evidence that Jesus was who he said he was. Uh, The third day threatened the the conviction and the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, Nobody in the tomb represented hope uh, in empty spaces. Uh, And I'm here to tell somebody, we have hope today. Uh, The religious leaders were guarding the body uh, when they should have been praising the body. Uh, They were trying to keep people from the body uh, when they should have had an open tomb uh, that when Jesus got up uh, he can walk right out. Uh, But thanks be to God uh, that we serve a savior. Uh, We serve a God uh, that had a miracle uh, on the third day uh, for the third Third day, Yes, sir. I like talking to my wife about my sermons. And sometimes she gives me sermon material. And as I was talking to her about the third day, she informed me that the third day is the greatest day in human history. Have I got a witness that can shout today that on the third day we receive our hope? On the third day we receive our joy. On the third day we receive what we need. Oh, shucks, y'all. I'm getting ahead of myself. If you really want to know about the third day, come back next week. Amen. But I don't know about you. I can't keep it to myself. I got to give God some praise. He's been good to me. I have to give God some praise because he died on an old rugged cross. I gotta give God some praise. He bled for me. He was wounded for my transgressions. Bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. But by his stripes I am healed. Is there anybody in the building today that could testify I am healed. I'm healed from addictions. I'm healed from fornication. I'm healed from lying. I'm healed from cheating. I'm healed from depression. I'm healed from anxiety. I'm healed today and I'm walking in my victory. I've got it. I've got it. I've got joy on the inside. I've got peace that surpasses all understanding. I've got it, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. Thank you for joining us. We're so happy that you're here. Please continue to connect with Mount Zion Baptist Church on our Facebook page, YouTube channel, and our website, mtzlife.com. We continually put out new content, so be on the lookout and turn those notifications on. Looking forward to seeing you back here soon. Have a blessed day.